Welcome to Down the Blindside, brought to you in association with DID Electrical. I'm Peter O'Reilly of the Sunday Times. And I'm Brendan Fanning of the Sunday Independent. Time for Europe again. Always an appetising prospect, if not quite as appetising as a few years back when the provinces reigned supreme. We consider the prospect of a second Champions Cup with the help of the competition's newly installed chairman, Simon Halliday. We'll be looking in some detail as well at this weekend's fixtures, with Ulster in Oyanax, Munster hosting Treviso, and then two European heavyweights, Leinster and Wasps, battling it out on Sunday at the RDS. There's also Connacht's historic 8,000-mile round trip to Siberia to consider. That's for a Challenge Cup match this Saturday. We went to Krasnoyarsk in 2002 and have lived to tell the tale. We'll also tell the tale of the Ulsterbank League, Michael Checker for England and much, much more. Plus, there's another €100 Euro voucher to be won, courtesy of DID. But first, cast your mind back to Marseille last April. That's a BN Sports commentary of Brian Habana's try against Leinster in last season's Champions Cup semi-final, which was, of course, a giant step towards Toulon's historic three in a row. On the line from Toulouse is Simon Halliday, chairman of European Professional Club Rugby, the Champions Cup governing body. Simon, welcome to the show. Good morning. Simon, coming in the wake of such a great World Cup, uh, is that a good thing or a bad thing for your tournaments? Uh, are people full or are they still hungry for rugby, would you say? Well, it's it's an interesting point. It's both, both aspects have been put to me. I think that the excitement of what rugby brought to a much broader public um, through the World Cup is, is going to be the overriding uh, influence here. A lot of the World Cup players uh, are moving into the European tournament from overseas, and, and you've got probably a, quite a large group of players who are quite frustrated, i.e. the English and the French at least, um, who didn't perform as they would have liked. So I think I think that there's every reason to think the quality of the tournament will be uh, dimensionally higher. And obviously you've got some fantastic contests um, in the first weekend and beyond. So it would be interesting to see, but I, I think that the the public have, have you know really um, enjoyed this World Cup despite England's early exit. And uh, that should reflect, I would have thought, in the interests um, of the European competition. So we will see, uh, but I'd, I'd be very hopeful. Speaking of, of quality contests kicking off the competition, Simon, uh, Leicester against Stade Francais and Welford Road on Friday night is a throwback to the days when, I guess, a small number of English and French clubs dominated the old Heineken Cup. Are you concerned about the development of a a Champions Cup elite that's maybe too small for the good of the tournament? I think that that was a question brought up, particularly last season when uh, obviously Clermont Toulon contested the final and uh, there was concern that uh, French particularly were dominating the competition. Uh, and obviously the French are very strong again, both Clermont Toulon and uh, you'd add Stade Francais, uh, Toulouse uh, and Racing, um, and not wanting to exclude the others, but those, certain f- those five certainly stand out. But I think, you know, the English clubs, uh, it is their absolute uh, intention to compete more strongly in Europe. I think uh, they've been very disappointed at their performances. So that's them. I think, you know, the the Irish have loved this tournament over a period of time. And I, I think that, you know, talking to Leinster and Munster, they're extremely positive about, um, you know, getting back 
um, into winning ways, and you've got two former champions there. So we know, uh, um, you know, I noticed in the Challenge Cup how well Comet's performing in the Pro 12 this year. So they're obviously going to be um, very strong competition in the Challenge Cup. Glasgow was a success story last season. They've just got stronger, you know. And if you look at the the Scottish national team, of which many were Glasgow, um, plus some of the international players they've got, they're going to be extremely strong. Uh, Scarlets have had a great start to the domestic competition. So I think people are benchmarking themselves uh, and want to do well in Europe. Uh, it is the ultimate test. So, you know, I would be very disappointed if uh, a small group of clubs continue to dominate because everyone's snapping at their heels. And, and I think you'll see more of the Glasgow-type performances um, in this coming year. Simon, you're in France at the moment. Uh, you mentioned uh, about five teams who are obviously very ambitious in Europe. There is a problem uh, amongst the other clubs, particularly in the those involved in the, the Challenge Cup. Um, is that something that can be fixed? Uh, well, first of all, I think that you know the Challenge Cup looks uh, incredibly strong this year uh, when you've got the opening match of Harlequins Montpellier, you know, to the giants of European rugby. So. Um, I think that's that's an interesting pointer to the quality that's there. You know, the uh, there has been an issue, which is understandable, of uh, the French clubs obviously needing to balance their season. I mean, that's happening for every single player in a very crowded season when you've got uh, domestic considerations alongside Challenge Cup. But there there is incentives put in place um, for the French, and I think that. You know, the winner of the Challenge Cup gets straight into the Champions Cup this year. Uh, so that's obviously a big incentive. And uh, and I do think, as I say, that, uh, you know, people want European rugby. It's, it's that extra step up. And uh, I think with the change in the system to a more meritocratic approach um, across the board, that both tournaments look very powerful, very competitive. And, and I think uh, all clubs will take that, take it all very seriously. Simon, at the height of the turf war in Europe, we were told a Champions League-style portfolio of sponsors <coughs> would be put together for the uh, for the Champions Cup. Uh, here we are in year two, and there are just two primaries in Heineken and now Turkish Airlines. What is the potential of the competition, do you think? Yeah, I think it's uh, obviously much of what happened before predates me, but obviously I've found out the history, and I think you know, we have to be realistic and say that in in the first year, it was a case of running the tournament. Uh, you know, there were clearly uh, still a lot of things to sort out, whether it be uh, through Swiss law, um, through relocating a, a team to uh, Neuchâtel. Uh, and obviously, in the lead up to the Rugby World Cup, where a lot of potential sponsors were obviously making their mark, um, you know, this is a tournament that needed to re establish itself and, and obviously year one was never going to be that easy so I think you know in hindsight some realism on that but in terms of what's happening now you know the commercial team is in place I think the the showcase of the tournaments will you know be well and truly there over the next few months Turkish Airlines is obviously a major brand and uh, you know we we look forward to adding more obviously we announced Tiso yesterday as a um, more than just a supplier. I mean, they're very much a partner uh, in uh, uh, in that space as the official timekeeper and, and um, you know watch of the tournament. So, you know, we are committed to this. I think it is the right model. Uh, a number of discussions are ongoing with other category sponsors. So, you know, we hope in the months to come there'll be some very positive news. But 
the, the momentum is building. What about the third tier competition, Simon? Where, where are we with that? There was, is there talk of some, some German involvement? Yeah, I mean, there's a German club involved. Um, you know, the fact is that the original starting point for this was to, to introduce two clubs into the Challenge Cup. And it has grown since then. I think if you look at the Rugby World Cup, obviously one of the big themes, as we know, was the emergence of you know developing nations. And uh, I think you know Romania, who I played against many years ago and, and beaten most of the major nations, you know they're clearly coming back, and you know their club rugby is a force again. So it's a question of managing that growth. I mean, there's eight clubs in the qualifying tournament this year. Um, where that goes is a matter for discussion because obviously there's a limitation to what an organization like EPCR can actually provide. You know, we've obviously got two major tournaments to run efficiently and they're growing, um, you know, all the time. And, and it's very, you know, obviously those are the core priorities, but clearly we want, like everyone does, to see new entrants on the scene. Um, there's obviously a cost attached into that, but, you know, we've, um, we've, we've made big efforts to welcome the new Russian um, club, you know, NSA, STM, and, um, you know, that's the sign of the time. So I think, you know, we'll just sort of consolidate that. We need to sit down as a group and, and work out how that develops. Obviously, rugby Europe and world rugby come into that equation as well. Is there any way you could have got a, a Russian club from the western side of Russia? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I've had to, you should imagine, when I called Dean Richards, obviously I played with um, for many, many years and told him to get the map out because Newcastle were in NSA as uh, pool and uh, did he know where Krosnaf was? And he didn't, of course. Um, Sochi is where they'll play two of their matches. Yeah. Um, Krosnaf, they'll play one more. Connors going to that one. So, you know, it's because of weather, apart from anything else, but it's a very, very long way. So, yes, I take the point. Um, look, I'm, you know, Tell me, uh, in the Champions Cup, would you uh, dare to pick a winner? Huh. Uh, well, I, I was seeing, I was spoke to Steve Meehan yesterday, who was there, because the, he's the ex-Bath coach, he's now the backs coach at, Lyon, at, um, at Toulon, and uh, in Lyon, I said, well, wh- you know, what backline can you pick? Because you've got two international backlines, world-class, uh, to choose from. You know, it's a brave person who says Toulon won't be in the mix at the end, um, but, you know, the, the, that's the thing about this competition is the pool group in every sense is so tough you cannot afford to slip up so i'll have a much better view when the the, the pool groups are decided because obviously um you could have some big names who don't make it through and you know yeah, Simon, Simon, you, you, you can't you can't wait until the pools are done you have to nail your colors to the mast now pick a <laughs> pick a winner for us <laughs> okay i will i don't want to be predictable and uh and say too long, but I have them as my clear favourites. Um, and I'm not going to go with my old club yet, Bath, because I think they're coming, but they're not. Uh, they're not ready. Um, I would love if they're injury free to see Leinster make it happen, but they're in the same pool, so I'm, I'm narrowing my options here. So somebody from Pool Five. Somebody from Pool, pool five. five. Okay. <laughs> okay. Somebody from Pool Five. If the one that gets out of that, I think will win the competition. Grand job. Okay. Listen. Thanks for your time, Simon. I'm sure you're going to enjoy the competition as much as we are. So take care. Thank you very much indeed. Competition time. We have a voucher to give away for any one of DID Electrical's 22 stores around the country. To be in with a shout, answer the following question. 
Toulon may have won three European titles in a row now, but which is the only club to have won four Heineken Cups? Is it A, Leinster, B, Toulouse, or C, Ebba Vale? Answers, as usual, to the competition tab on our website, downtheblindside.com. Okay, now to the Irish challenge in Europe. Uh, The four provinces are in the top five in the Pro 12, and they all won at the weekend. Looks great, Um, but obviously we're going up a level now. Bren, we start off with Ulster because we're doing things chronologically on this show. Uh, they're, they're first out of the blocks on Saturday lunchtime with Oyanax away and they also have Saracens and Toulouse in their pool. Um, what do you reckon? If they don't take five in Oyanax, they can forget it. Oyanax are in a bit of a state. The most difficult element of this game is getting there. It is a tricky spot. It's border, isn't it? It's a tricky spot to get to. So if they can recover from that journey and get there on time... Um, they have an Astro yeah. on the campus in Kingspan, so I'm sure they're used to to that surface. Yeah, I think the way Oyanax got here by beating teams up on a on a ploughed field. But, yeah. but now that they have uh, an Astro, uh, it's leveled. Be, excuse the pun. It's or literally leveled the playing surface. Yeah, so, plus Ulster uh, in in uh, reasonable nick, and you would expect the Les Kiss factor to certainly uh, be influential in the early days at least I think they're, they're delighted to have got such a quality fella to themselves and not have to share him with Ireland yeah on the other hand they're, they're going to be missing Ian Henderson Jared Payne yeah uh, they're up against Saracens who were first in the premiership Toulouse who seem to be revitalised by the departure of Kino Vess and uh, Ugo Mola has taken over there they're in great form uh, Gail Fiku seems to be on fire um, so that's uh, that's going to be a tough gig it's formidable um we're going to be down in Leinster, sorry, in Limerick on Saturday for Treviso, for Munster Treviso. Uh, their pool is Treviso, Stade Francais and Leicester. Yeah, it's negotiable. It's, it's better on grass than it is on paper. Stade Francais are not in great nick. They're down at the wrong end of the top 14 and they're, there's a hangover from the, the title win last yes. season and Guy Laporte, or, um, Bernard. Bernard Laporte rather, is, kind of has one step out the door. Um, Leicester are, are as dogged as ever and are fourth in the Premiership and doing well Treviso have actually played really good rugby and if you look at their results um, you know they're not getting tonked by everybody now sometimes Munster are a wee bit susceptible to playing supposedly weaker teams for bank for kind of five point bankers yeah, exactly. supposedly yeah, yeah. Um, it would be interesting uh, Munster's mental state would be interesting if they had managed to lose the game uh, against Edinburgh the other night um, but anyway I think they would be very happy that they survived that because a lot was going against them in that game not least uh, referee David Wilkinson and it's going to be interesting to see what the quality of refereeing is in the Champions Cup especially whatever about the Challenge Cup there is a tendency now among referees I guess this is a roll on from the World Cup whatever about high shots and anything around the head to be mm mad about it but they're also super hot on people rolling away and it has led to some crazy decisions where people are physically doing their best to get out of the way and are not impeding the access of the nine to the ball and referees go oh hang on a second Joel wants me to blow for this one or it's in the law book and they blow and it's maddening to watch it and that's, we saw a couple of examples of that that's Joel Juge you're talking about rather yes, than Joe Schmidt yes yeah. the, Joel the referee's manager yes. okay well if you consider that Munster were down a man and they were also down points with about 
I don't know, two thirds of that game over, they still won. Yeah. They've also won six out of seven games so far, albeit by by small margins. Uh, they're playing a bit of rugby. I think that they are confident at the moment, and uh, they're looking they're looking pretty good. And they've got a, a racing chance there of um, of uh, succeeding in that pool. Leinster's confidence is pretty good as well. You would have thought so, except for the fact that they don't know what their team is. Um, Rob Carney looks a doubt for for yeah. Sunday. Ben Teo, we hear, is a doubt also, which is a pity given that he's in good nick. He's got a rib problem. Uh, if you look at Wasps, I did, did have a look at them actually on Sunday. They, they beat Gloucester 23-3. They had only three players who were at the Rugby World Cup and two of those were uh, were English players. They weren't around too long. Uh, also, George Smith already looks a brilliant signing by Die Young. They've got loads of pace out wide, uh, Charles Piotau is registered for them in the in the Heineken Cup. If any, sorry, in the Champions Cup. If anybody was wondering, um, so I think they are vulnerable on Sunday. Uh, they only got just about got past Wasps in the same game last year. Last year is is interesting. The history. So not only did they just get past Wasps at that stage last year, but Bath are absolutely dying to get a hold of Lancer again after what happened in Eviva when Bath came and played all the rugby and ended up losing. Mm-hmm. And uh, now it'll be a, a path minus uh, Mr. Burgess, but I'm not sure that's going to make a huge difference no. to them. And then lurking in the background, you have Toulon. And <laughs> as you heard Simon Halliday mention earlier on when he was talking to Steve Mee and their backs coach, how do you separate between, how do you, you pick between two international class back lines at club level? It is a phenomenal uh, luxury for mm. a club coach to have. It strikes me that uh, also lurking in the background for this Sunday's game, well, and he will be actually in the background, he'll be in the stand, is Jimmy Gopperth. Yes. But he has a role to play for Wasps. Yeah, big uh, time. Absolutely. And he'll he'll be able to give them plenty of info. Um, incidentally, <laughs> I don't know why they even appealed it. Uh, the, the appeal got knocked back and he, yeah. his three-week stands. We are re- referring, of course, to his airborne challenge on Leicester's Matthew Tate which in retrospect was, tape was fine, thankfully. In retrospect, it was amusing in that in the split second that uh, Gopperth decided to have a go at him in the air, he realised, oh, this is not a good idea. I better look like I'm trying to catch the ball and then stuck his hands. <laughs> yeah, you should check it out on YouTube. It's, yeah, it's, it's rugby good. meets Morris dancing. Yeah, um, it is interesting. Uh, OK, we've, we've gone through Ulster, Munster and Leinster. How many of those are going to qualify, do you reckon? Keanu one. Munster. Munster. Mm. Ulster, uh, no, Ulster are, are, I don't think, it, it will involve Ulster booking the trend and doing something in, in, in uh, over Saracens. Um, and Leinster, I'm afraid, I just can't see them coming out of that pool. Mm. Now, there will be patience, obviously, for, uh, for Leo Cullen and his new coaching team, but... Um, only so much patience. Uh, so that's what that was. What makes some, this Sunday is is so important for them that they it's uh, again Sexton back in the fold, um, first Champions Cup game at the ODS. Uh, it's massive for them. But even still, as you say, uh, it's it's a it's a nasty pool. Um, also in Europe, just about <laughs> yeah, uh, our Connacht, Asiatic Europe. That's a that's a horrendous that's a horrendous bit of bad luck. That they have to get the gig in Krasnoyarsk and the others don't. Like that's it is. that's a shocker. Okay, to and take the you, most westerly club in Europe, yeah, and bring yeah. them as far east as you can go. And if you looked at your your uh, your weather 
not your weather forecaster, but, but, but your weather vane the other day would have told you it was minus five in Krasnoyarsk. I don't know what it's going to be like at the weekend, but if we said that INX is a little bit of a tricky journey in France, it is a cakewalk compared to getting to all Krasnoyarsk. the way to Siberia. I would say there's less chance that they would be uh, stopped in Moscow and made to wait for about three or four hours. Uh, Why do you say that? <laughs> well, you would imagine things have moved on. But of you would also imagine that there isn't wholesale institutional doping in Russia. But <laughs> there again, that may, that may also be the case. In any case... What am I talking about? We better clarify what we're talking about. This is in 2002 when Ireland travelled for a World Cup qualifier. They were had to wait around for a long time until the team manager Brian O'Brien eventually uh, bribed some some Russian officials to to, to get us all through customs. Um, we 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 got to Krasnoyarsk at three o'clock in the morning. Uh, all the players played like they were jet lagged on a, a pitch that was about fifty meters wide mm. in uh, a stadium that we were afraid, afraid was going to fall down. Yes, I remember the uh, the the IRFU. Uh, uh, the Blazerati sitting <laughs> sitting in the presidential box, basically sitting on concrete seats. Uh, not a lot of looking particularly happy with themselves, but um, it will be, uh, hopefully it will have been upgraded a little bit since then. And uh, Connacht at least will go with the momentum that they've they've gathered from being top of the Pro 12. And we wish them all the best with that trip. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Competition time. We have a voucher to give away for any one of DID Electrical's 22 stores around the country. To begin with a shout, answer the following question. Geelong may have won three European titles in a row, but which is the only club to have won four Heineken Cups? Is it A, Leinster, B, Toulouse or C, Abbevale? Answers as usual to the competition tab on our website, downtheblindside.com. Ulster Bank League is on a two-week break now, but uh, last weekend threw up a, a couple of interesting results. Gary Owen had a great away win at Belvo, as did Terry Neuer up in the Hinch. Uh, Terry Neuer, incidentally, are celebrating their 75th anniversary this season, so enjoy that one, lads. Clontarf survived a serious test by Galwegians. Is that Sta- on the new pitch, Brian? Yes, that was on the new pitch. Okay, how did it go? It went very well. It's... Um, I'm a wee bit ambivalent about astro pitches. The brilliant thing is that you don't have to cancel training ever, well, pretty much ever. Yeah. So that huge amount of time that we lose every winter to training is now gone. Um, as for the rugby, it is definitely, it's quicker, which is not all, always a, a great thing. The breakdown can be really, really difficult to control. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you don't have speed. A, yes, and if you don't have a good referee, a ball placement, and it's it's hard to be accurate with it. And but there aren't those there aren't those sudden those little kind of hidden dips that used to kind of catch people out that suddenly <laughs> fall over. No, there are no excuses. <laughs> okay, but anyway, it was it was it was good. And Galwegians were very good. Um, what about uh, UCD? UCD are are bombing along. They passed the thirty five points in a game. Mark for the fourth time this season wow. at Lansdowne were their latest victims uh, Munsters however have I think most reasons to be cheerful since being hammered by UCD to the tune of 56 points at the end of September mm-hmm. 
They have uh, drawn with Tarf, beaten the Hinch, Old Belvo, and now Cons. And our Ulster Bank Player of the Week is indeed from that Cons game with young Munster flanker Dear Medee, uh, who was on the Ireland 20s last year. Some of you will know him from that. The best player on view. Well done to you, Dermot. Well done, Dermot, and also well done to David Corker, who must have enjoyed uh, putting one over on Cons at the weekend. Now, to any other business. Um, big game next Saturday. We've mentioned a couple of them, but there's a big game at the Stoop. Uh, where Ireland play England in the in a women's test match. It's a symbolic game for the women because it's their first game sort of outside the Six Nations or Rugby World Cup window. Um, I spoke to Tom Tierney uh, during the week. He is pretty excited about it. They've picked He's picked 10 new caps in his squad of 23 players. Basically what he's doing is he's building a squad of around 35, 40 players who are both 7s and 15s players. Um, obviously Rio is pretty prominent on his radar uh, and that's going to be massively difficult Ten new, that number of new caps against a machine like England who just churn out players with regularity that'll be tough going yeah well, Ireland we beat them in, the, in, in last year's Six Nations um, and that was and we've beaten I think two years in a row and partly that's because England have gone the same route they are yep. mixing and matching on their sevens programme uh, but that's on Sky Sports that's worth a look um not far from the stoop is Twickenham, of course. Uh, what about Michael Checker? I can't see it going to Twickenham. It was a good story, but I can I just cannot imagine him taking the England team. I think it's far more likely Eddie Jones would do it. And while the Rugby Football Union are busily denying that they've been on to yeah. to check it. I'm not sure they've been busily denying that they've been on to Eddie Jones, who was keen for it. I think there's an element whereby, since England uh, flopped at the World Cup, the Daily Hacks have been looking for a story yeah. every day. Yeah. And uh, they had a fantastic story there during the week about the, the bag man who <laughs> yeah. follows the markets, uh, <laughs> offering some dodgy information to some of the players about <laughs> two hours before kickoff in one of the World <laughs> Cup games. Um, but Cheka, actually, it was interesting, he... He used to always make a point of saying that uh, oh, I could never coach a team against Leinster. Yes. So if he couldn't coach a team against Leinster, then he definitely can't coach a team against the Aussies. Uh, I think he managed to get over that one. <laughs> <laughs> but still, I, th- I think that's just that's a, that, that's a hurdle. Just it's it's too much. Okay. Uh, we are delighted for uh, to see that Donico Callahan, uh, who's moved to Worcester after spending about two decades with Munster, uh, he's going well at six ways under Dean Ryan. He got 80 minutes against Newcastle. Worcester are actually sixth in the, the Premiership table. I remember seeing Donica last season, you know, playing in A games yeah. against Leinster at Donnybrook. And as he said in a great piece by Dennis Walsh during over the weekend, he actually became a target for opposing teams. All these kids were out to get him to make, it, make a name for themselves. So he's back in, I suppose, the big time-ish and... Uh, Great to see him, and we're hoping to have him, have him on the show soon. We, yeah, not only because he's he's good crack and an interesting fellow, but of all the Munster players whom you would have said would find it most difficult to up sticks and go across the water, it would have been him because he was absolutely wedded to the yeah. red jersey, and it was all he had ever known. Um, so yeah, I can't wait to see how he's getting yeah, on. Self and Peter Stringer obviously vying to see who can get a pa- get past forty yeah. as professional rugby players. Um, no, you were intrigued by um, the Gloucester skipper, Billy Twelltrees. Yeah, uh, 36, uh, his nickname, of course, when he was at Leicester. Um, he's now skipper of uh, David Humphrey's Gloucester team and 
We noticed that in the second half of that game on Sunday, uh, the TMO decided that Lorenzo Cittadini, the Wasps prop, had to go for a punch on the face at the bottom of a ruck. Billy Twelfreeze comes in and starts explaining that, no, 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 it was nothing referee. So he's basically interceding uh, on behalf of an opponent. Uh, and we applaud this uh, because we can think of other captains who mightn't do this uh, not, too, not too far away from here. And we've said it on the show before that people who try and get fellow professionals binned or get a card changed from a yellow to a red should be carded themselves. Yeah, I, I don't want to be cynical here, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> 12 Trees intervention was subsequent to the decision. So it was highly likely that the ref's going to say, geez, you know what, Billy, you're absolutely right. I'm going to change my mind on that. So he one. just he wanted... So he just got, to buy him a beer afterwards. He got a bit of good PR. Well you're, done, Billy. You're so hard bitten, Brent. I'm sorry. Okay, listen. The games of this weekend. Uh, I like the look of Saracens v Toulouse. Toulon v Bath. Yeah, that's a decent one as well. And we're hoping Leinster v Wasps it I, is as good as it looks. Yeah, I think that's going to be a great game. We'll be back next week to discuss it all on Down the Blind Side, brought to you in association with DID Electrical. I'm Peter O'Reilly, The Sunday Times. And I'm Brendan Fanning of The Sunday Independent. We look forward to your company then. <laughs>